0: Just in the nick of time, great job, great job. Guys just, let's give it up, let's give it up for it. pulpit right in the time and extra microphones. <laughs> he was sweating too, he was sweating, all that, all that choir traffic. How are you guys doing today? How you guys doing today? Hey, my name is Marcus, campus pastor here at the Rock Church Point Loma. I am thrilled to be with you guys today. Pastor Miles is, as you guys know, he's been learning Spanish. And he's doing a great job. Pastor Miles, like, actually speaks Spanish now. Like, any Latinos, don't los Latinos aquí hoy. A ver. Háblale en español, pastor. Right? So when you see Pastor Miles, speak to him in Spanish. If you don't know Spanish, take a couple years to learn it, and then speak to Pastor Miles in Spanish. But he's getting a chance today to, uh, to, to go share the gospel in a couple places in Waco, on one of those times are in Spanish. So, uh, why don't we pray for our pastor right now? Can you guys join me? Lord, I thank you for Pastor Miles, Lord. I thank you for his heart, Lord, that transcends just the mere people here in San Diego, Lord. I thank you for his desire, Lord, to not let language be a barrier, not let distance be a barrier, Lord Jesus, of going to share the gospel. I just pray that you touch him supernaturally right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When my wife found out that Pastor Miles was going to Waco, she got really excited. And I don't know, some of you ladies might be able to understand why. I don't know. But there's this, there's this lady in Waco that she's dying to meet named Joanna Gaines. That, right? This is crazy. How many Joanna Gaines fans here? Let me hear it. This lady, she's amazing. Like I started watching the show and my wife fell in love with this lady. My wife in her imaginary world is best friends with this woman. She's like, Oh, we need to go to the silos, and we need to go to the bed and breakfast, and wow, I can't wait for you to meet Chip. Her husband, like, what do you mean you can't wait for me to meet him? He don't care about me. So, so she, loves, she loves Joanna Gaines and, 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 her, and her husband, Chip. So watch that show when you get a chance. I'm not sure what it's called. Just ask some lady here. They'll tell you what show it is. But I'm enjoying the rain. I love, I love, I love the rain. I was born in Panama. I was born in a military base in Panama called Fort Gulick, right? Any chance, any Panameños here, any chance? No, that's okay. They're all in Panama. So I was born in Panama and, and it would rain all the time. They wouldn't have winter. They'd have rainy season and, and it was beautiful. And then I grew up in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I was a military brat. My dad was a Green Beret, right? And so I grew up in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and it rained there too as well. And and consequently, Panama and North Carolina are green and they're lush. And right now, San Diego is green and it's lush. The lake came back in Escondido, right? I live in Escondido. There's my my grass. I haven't watered my grass for months, thank God. And I look at the hills in Escondido. And if you drive around San Diego, look at the mountains and you can see snow. You know what, that reminds me of God's grace, you guys. And that's what today's message is about, is about God's grace. And you know, San Diego is a desert. Next time you're in a plane flying over San Diego, take a look at San Diego. And you see brown, 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 because we're a desert. And but anytime you see green in San Diego, it's because somebody has watered. Right? <laughs> and you got a couple ways to keep San Diego green. Right? One way is to spend a lot of money on landscaping right? Is to spend a lot of money on water. It then is to get fined by the city for spending too much money, right? Then is ignoring that fine, spending more water. And then you on your own can get your little green area in San Diego. My wife and I have half an acre in Escondido and we got four kids that we homeschool. So we just kick them outside, let them run around, right? Go wrestle, climb a tree and it's green and we love it. But it's very expensive. I've considered Just spray painting my grass green. (laughs) Don't judge. Don't judge. Right? But right now it's green and it's special. That's one way. Here's the other way. Let God send down the rain from above and water the whole city and clean it up and let that green come. And today you guys, that's going to be my challenge for you guys is, you know what? We can either get grace and blessings and opportunities in life our way. But it's very, very limited. And it's very, very expensive to do things your way. Or you can trust in God and rely on his grace to bring those blessings and everything into your life. So today's message is called Legacy of Grace. And we're going to be taking a look at the story through Genesis, the story of Joseph. And take a look at that legacy of grace that has been established in Joseph's life. So if you guys can turn your Bibles to Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37. It's hard to believe, but I grew up a mischievous kid. I have two older siblings. One, my brother Ricky and my sister Memi. My brother Ricky is about five years older than me. My sister Memi is three years older than me, I think. I'm really not sure. But as a kid, I was the most mischievous of the family. In Spanish, they call it tremendo. Travieso, right? Mischievous, annoying. That was me. And my dad would correct me quite often. Translation, belt. And he would correct me because I needed it. And he would always tell me, son, do you know why I'm correcting you? And I would wipe my face and he would hug me. But he would always explain, hey, this is what you did wrong. I'm going to correct you. So I always deserve it. And and I would say, yeah, dad, you know, because you love me. I'm like, sometimes I wish you didn't love me so much. And I remember being disciplined, and, and my siblings would get spankings as well. And then I had a real kind of tender heart for my siblings. And I remember my, my 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 brother getting spanked, and and my mom kind of being upset about it, and and being anxious, and me looking through the corner, like first thinking, "Thank God it's not me," and second of all, crying as my my brother was getting spanked. And I remember my sister, and my heart would my heart would hurt because it hurts. And then when I was my turn, it was a little bit different. After my dad would give me the spanking, my brothers and sisters would laugh at me. And then my mom would say, no, 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 he needs extra. Give him extra. So I grew up a good, good kid, but, but very mischievous. And, and to set up this story, right, it's 1989. Little Pastor Marcus up is in Santa Barbara at this point. My dad was teaching military science at UCSB. And I was a good kid, but I was very, very mischievous. And so in this mischievous time, I remember my baseball buddy said, hey, man, let's go do something. We're going to go do something. You want to hang out and go do it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, let's go. What are we going to do? We're going to go water balloon. I didn't know what water ballooning was. They said, just come, just come. So I show up that night. He goes, wear dark clothes, wear dark clothes. I'm like, oh, this probably is not good. This probably is not good. So Brian, we all got in Brian's truck. And and behind Brian's truck, it was an old Chevy truck, 1970-something. And there was this cooler full of water balloons and water. And so the plan was to drive around the streets of Santa Barbara and water balloon innocent people. And dogs. And anything that walked. So, all right, at 16, this sounds like a good idea. You know, this is a year, think of Tone Loke. Think of... Oakley sunglasses, right? So we get in the, I get in Brian's truck and it's me, my friend Jaime and Brian and a couple other guys, Jeff from the baseball team. And I'm like, God, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's too late now. I'm in it. So we start driving around and we're water ballooning people. And at first I kind of feel kind of bad, but then I kind of really started to like it. Right? And so the adrenaline kicks up. We're excited. And so it's about 1230 at night. And And Brian pulls into this neighborhood. And we see this guy in this BMW park the car. So we think, this is a great time. Let's all ambush him. We stand up in the truck, in the bed of the truck. We all grab our water balloons. And we just nailed them. Ta, 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 ta. ta. Then you see him. Boom, boom, you know. And we're loving it. And we drive away. But this one was different because that guy got in his BMW and followed us oh oh this is not good. This is not good. So we're driving around, we're trying to lose him, right? And we're kind of losing his BMW, but finally, so now in order to lose him, we, meaning Brian, starts driving out of control. We are bouncing literally in the back of the truck, right? And it's just we're bouncing around through neighborhoods, and we finally lose him, and my heart's beating so fast. And I, oh, my gosh, well, this is crazy, this is crazy. Somebody take me home. And then we pull out after we've lost the guy. We get bright lighted by a BMW and it's him behind us. Oh Lord, I'm just going crazy. So we start banging on the, on the, on the window. Stop, stop. We got to get a plan. We're like it's one against five. You know, what's the deal? What is he going to do with us? So we stop the truck. Your guy gets out of the truck. This is where the story gets fun. And he pulls a gun on us. He's an undercover officer. Oh no, yeah, you gotta imagine now my dad. My dad? Did I mention he was special forces? Did I have I mentioned his belt? My dad was also a Pentecostal preacher. My dad was also Mexican, and he still is, as a matter of fact. But in his mustache, like He had the Mexican mustache and the belt. Uh, My dad was so intimidating. Not only did I not look back or talk back to him, I didn't even look his mustache in the eye. (laughs) And seriously, my life crossed before my eyes. Like, I am going to die. I saw myself in prison. You know, I just did worse. My dad. Finds out tonight my life is over, and the cop walks over to us, and we're shaking and I'm stressed out. And he walks over, there's what's going on here? And we're "We're so sorry, officer. He goes, What were you guys throwing at me? And we said, Water balloons. And he stops, puts his gun away, and he goes, When I was your age, I did it with grapefruits. (laughs) I'm like, All right, I like this one. Yeah, (laughs) grapefruits. How could you? That's ridiculous. Well, make a long story short, he let us off the hook with a warning. And I tell you what, that's the last time I ever water balloon anybody except for my four kids in my yard. (laughs) But that's a story of, of grace and mercy. Right? And grace. And and, and God wants us to give us grace. We have so many things, guys, right? That 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 we have that we don't deserve, and we have his mercy too. We have so many times when we could be busted by God. Think, just take a second to think of all the things you've done in your mind, all the wrong ideas, actions, behaviors, and you're still here. We're still alive. We still have breath. And God has been so, so graceful to us. So let's start the story in Genesis chapter seven, chapter 37. It says this, verse 1. Jacob lived in a land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them, about his brothers. Now Israel loved Joseph, Israel his father, loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he was born of him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And could not speak a kind word. So, to understand this, I want us to go back a little bit to really give context of what's going on. So, let's let's take it back to, to to creation. God establishes creation, has Adam and Eve to live in perfect unity. They sin. Boom! Sin is brought into the world. Death comes to the world. An innocent animal has to die to cover their sin because they tried fig leaves to cover their sin. They tried to cover their sin their way, and it was not enough. Therefore, God. God had to go shed some blood and gave them the skins of an animal to shed some to to cover them. A foreshadowing of Jesus. Are you guys following me? Jesus the innocent had to shed his blood to cover our sins. So they go on. Evil starts to proliferate all throughout the land. God gets tired of that, sets the reset button, sends a storm, sends 40 days and 40 nights. Of, of of rain to come, and saves Noah and his family through the process showing grace. Noah's family is saved. Reset button is clicked. Starts happening over again. So right now the world is just filled with people. People doing stuff. So God says, you know what, I need my people. I need my team. So he finds this guy, Abraham. Everybody say, Abraham. And we all know this song if we went grew up in church, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, right in right arm, left arm. <laughs> Sorry, I got off on a tangent there. So then have Abraham, and God said, this is my guy right here. This is my guy. I'm going to take care him. I'm going to build my team. I'm going to start off with Abraham. And he gave Abraham a promise. He says, you know what? I'm going to bless you. And he gave him a son in his old age. So Abraham has his son Isaac in his old age. God calls Abraham, you know what? I need you to sacrifice my son Isaac. I need you to sacrifice your son Isaac. He goes, this is my only son. I'm going to kill him. God said, I need you to listen to me. But Abraham remembered that God told him through Isaac. Many nations are going to come. So Abraham said, now this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. And you know what? This is scary. There's times in your life, guys, where God's going to call you to do something. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be difficult. And it may not make sense, but you have to go, am I willing to trust God? God and maybe it's with your finances maybe it's with your relationships maybe it's later on today when you give it a chance to establish that relationship of grace with God and you know that makes sense but you go I need to do this so Abraham begins to sacrifice his son Isaac God says no sends down an angel stops him saves Isaac but he finds a a, a ram in the thicket caught and so now this ram follow me takes the place of his son Isaac that was going to die Another foreshadowing to Jesus Christ, that God provided the sacrifice. Okay. So Isaac now is born, right? He's growing. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob now is, 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 is wrestling with God in the Bible. He wrestles with God for his blessing. Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Everybody say Israel. So now is the birth of the people of Israel. You guys following me? Israel is born. Literally, a guy named Israel is born. Israel had 12 sons. How many sons? He had 12 sons. How many tribes are there of Israel? Okay, here's the birth of God's people. One of those sons is Joseph. This is where the story is. Joseph was the 11th son. Joseph was loved more than any of his brothers. His brothers came to hate Joseph for several reasons. One, his dad, Jacob, who's Israel, loved him more because his dad loved Joseph's mom more than the other moms. Now starts these issues in the family. My family has issues. I've got issues. This family now, this brother start thinking, all right, we hate Joseph. Our dad, even though he's his 11th son, has now exalted him to the right of the firstborn, which means double portion. So he took the place of his oldest, oldest brother, Reuben, to get the double portion. On top of that, his dad, the shaman's love, gave him this elaborate, beautiful coat of many colors. On top of that, Joseph is giving bad reports to his father about his brothers. On top of that, Joseph tells him about a dream. He tells him about a series of dreams that he had. And to make a long story short, the dreams. It was God telling him, the whole world is going to bow down to you. Your brothers, your family, all going to bow down to you. And I'm going to exalt you. Now, he wasn't too smart to talk to his brothers about this. So they said, we had enough. We had enough. Let's put a plan together. So they got, the brothers got a plan together. Say, you know what? Let's kill Joseph. Guys, th- don't think of this like as the Bible story. This is like a real family. You guys following me? Think of this as Jerry Springer. They <laughs> think this was episode like 115. His brothers plotted against him. His grandfather's Abraham. His dad is Israel. From the Israelites. From God's people. And they're plotting to kill the younger brother, Joseph, because they hate him so much. I don't know what issues you have in your family, you guys, but we all have issues. We all have difficulties. And now Judah says to them, let's not kill Joseph. Let's make a little money on this. So Judah decides and convinces the brothers, let's sell Joseph into slavery. Now can you imagine this, you guys, in your family, parents... Could you imagine this going on with your siblings? Kids, could you imagine doing this with your brothers and sisters, deciding to kill them, then change your mind and decide to sell them into slavery, of which they did. He goes into slavery. He gets sold to a guy named Potiphar. Everybody say Potiphar. So he gets sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar now is a government official of Egypt. And he is now in that role as a slave underneath Potiphar. So now things go from worse to really bad. Joseph was 17 years old when this happened. 17 years old. So now... He starts working for Potiphar, and Potiphar starts noticing that this slave that he bought was blessed. So everything Joseph was doing, God was touching it. God's hand was on it. Look, I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what difficult you're going through, but let me encourage you, even in your difficulty, trust God. Even in the most dire of circumstances, trust God and behave like a child of God. So Joseph behaved regardless of his circumstances. And you know what? Potiphar noticed that everything he was doing was blessed and he promoted him to oversee the whole house. So now things are going good, right? He's working hard. He's getting promoted. He's the boss. But everybody noticed as well as Potiphar's wife. Joseph was a very handsome man. I know this. I've seen the pictures of him. (laughs) Trust me on this, ladies. Trust me. Now, the Bible states that he was a very, very handsome guy. He was a very, very uh, uh, guy that had God's grace. He was a very accomplished guy. So Potiphar's wife noticed this and was chasing him around. And she finally cornered him right? And she, she she made advances and she threw herself at him. And she was saying, let's go, let's go. And Joseph was saying, oh, no, oh, no, right? And so he ran away like Forrest Gump. That boy was a run-in. And she grabbed his cloak and had proof that he was there. Well, Potiphar comes back and sees this. And his wife tells him, you know what? He tried to get with me physically Potiphar goes crazy, gets upset. Joseph ends up now in prison. He's got to be thinking, God, I did what was right. I did the right thing, and look where I am. Let me tell you guys doing the right thing, do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. Because sometimes you're going to do the right thing, and you're going to get difficult results. Sometimes you're going to tell the truth, and you know what may happen? You may get fired. When my wife, when I get home and my wife smells God asada on my breath, I'm busted. I tell her the truth, I'm still kind of like, where's the receipt? Man, when I hear, honey, where's the receipt, I start to sweat. I'm like, I don't even know where my four kids are, honey. I don't know where the receipt to Taco Bell is. So just doing the truth, just doing what's right doesn't guarantee great results for the time. So now he ends up in prison. Well, the same thing starts to happen. Instead of him sulking and saying, what about my brothers? How could they do this to me? And being upset, he said, I'm going to choose to still do what's right. I'm not going to let what they did to me define who I am. And so many of us have had a rough past. Right? A rough upbringing or something difficult or an injury or something. And we let that define who we are. And Joseph didn't do that. He said, you know what, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of my dad. I am loved. I'm going to do what's right. And he did what's right and he got promoted there in jail as well. To one day, two of the king's servants got in trouble. They ended up in jail. It was a cupbearer and it was also a baker. And so they had some dreams, and they wanted some interpretation of dreams. They had dreams the same night, and and they were asking, who around, who knows these dreams? And and Joseph said, hey, my God can interpret those dreams. So the cupbearer came to Joseph, and he shared his dream. And, And Joseph told him, here's the deal. I've got the interpretation from God. In three days, the king's coming, and you're going to be released. In three days, that happened. The baker... He must have been excited. I can imagine. Now, like I'm sent to the scene, and I the jail the cupbearer is going to get released. Now the baker's like, "Hey, I got a dream too. I got a dream too. Come on up." So okay, here's the deal. Here's what's up. All right, I had three uh, uh, plates on my head, three baskets on my head in my dream, and at the top, baked goods. That's why I love the Bible. I love stories with baked goods. When I was studying for this, like, my mind went off. Like, instead of preaching, like, I'm just thinking, like, man, I wonder what kind of cupcakes there were. I spent, like, 30 minutes, like, man, I wonder they had some tortillas in there, too. Maybe it was Mexican. I don't know. Some pastelitos. I mean, man, this is good. God's good. God, you're so good. And so I got to get back refocus. And he said, and, and, he, and he told the rest of the story. And then Joseph said, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is, I know what the interpretation of the dream is. The bad news is that in three days, the king's coming, he's going to decapitate you and hang you. Yeah, yeah. So, what happened? And he told, he, he told the cupbearer, hey, don't forget me. Don't forget me. The cupbearer goes back to the king. A couple more years, Joseph is still in jail. This is a guy, guys, let me remind you who God promised. He was going to exalt him. God promised that he was going to bless him. My question to you today is, what are the promises that you know God has given you, but they're not here yet? This is my encouragement. Hang on. Hang on. Maybe it's for a blessing. Hang on. Maybe it's for a spouse. Hang on. Maybe it's for finances. Hang on. Because if God has promised you, you guys, he's going to deliver it to you. And here Joseph is, is waiting and is waiting. And now this cupbearer is back in the presence of the king, and now the king starts to have these dreams. The, cre- the king has these dreams, and then nobody can interpret them. And so the cupbearer remembers oh man, I remember this. I, m- I remember this kid, Joseph. Oh my gosh, he, he interpreted our dreams, and he can probably interpret your dreams. So the king calls him out, brings Joseph. The king dared any of his wise men, any of his magicians to interpret it, but they wouldn't touch it because they know if they interpreted it wrong, they would die. And Joseph said, here's the deal. Here's the, here's the deal. Your dreams. And he told him about the dreams. He said, we've got seven years of wonderful, robust economy, grain, growth. And after that, there's seven years of famine. So the king's like, keep talking. Okay. And what? So what would you do? Because he knew this guy was a smart cat. He said, Well, all I would do is I would take 20% of everything, set it aside. So then in seven years, when all the land is dry and famine were set, so the king said, That's a good idea. You know what? I'm gonna put you in charge of everything. So now Joseph starts being coming exalted. 37. I'm sorry. Let's go to uh, uh, Genesis 41. 41, verse 41 through 43 it says this. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, "I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt." Then Pharaoh took his signet ring, put it on his finger and put it on Joseph's finger and he dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as a second in command and men shouted before him, make way, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Gonna do three quick points about God's grace. Everybody say God's grace. Everybody say God's grace. First point is God's grace is glorious. Everybody say glorious. God's grace is what? God's grace is what? Look, think of the green out there once again. I don't have a water hose big enough to make San Diego green. But God's grace can make all San Diego green again. You don't have enough power in your life to make your life glorious. But God's grace can make things glorious. He can take you from the prison to the palace. He can take you from from the mire of the dirt, right, and to being exalted. And this is what he did with Joseph. God's got something special for us here. But you know guys? We've got to allow him to do it. And we've got to weather the storm because our life is hard. Can I hear amen? Amen. And if things are going well right now, wait. This is life, right? Life's hard. Serving the Lord is not easy. The 12 disciples, right? One of them betrayed him. Ten of them died martyrs' deaths, guys. Wait, though. Oh. God's grace is glorious. He wants to be stored upon you. So the story continues on, and it's an amazing story. So now here, Joseph is in charge of all seven years happen, and, and and now he's 30 years old. He was 17 when this happened. Guys, when he got sold in slavery, 13 years, he had to wait for this, 13 years. And now he's in charge. Seven years happened with, with, with the growth. He puts everything away. The famine comes. Well, guess who starts getting hungry? His brothers. I'll tell you what, this had to be in the back of his mind all the time. This, this, this dysfunction he had in his family, how he was betrayed, that had a, that had a burn in him. And you know what happens? Uh, the famine starts and guess who comes knocking at the door? But his brothers and he sees his brothers. How must he have felt guys? This isn't a Bible study. This is reality. This is the truth. This is Joseph, a brother who got sold and saved by his brothers. How did he feel? How did it, how did it mess with his life, with his mind? I remember when my brother went to West Point at 17 years old. I was 14 years old or so, 13. I'm not that good at math. I was younger. And my brother went to West Point, and I didn't get to see him for like six months. So we dropped him off during, during, during summertime to drop him off, and we couldn't see him until Christmas later on that year. This was my big brother. This was a guy that I idolized, I spent time with. This was the guy that gave me wedgies, so he meant a lot to me. So this is little 14-year-old Marcus. I haven't seen my brother for, I don't know, six months. And I remember this is the first time in my life this emotion ever hit me. We went into the mess hall there at West Point, And I saw my brother and his military stuff about, you don't know, all the way across the mess hall. And I knew I'd be excited to see him. But as soon as I took a step in that mess hall and I saw my brother and he looked at me, we made eye contact. Something happened to me that never happened before. I started crying, overwhelmed with joy. Then I saw my big brother Ricky. I didn't know what was happening to me. I never cried of being too happy. I cried of being spanked too much. Big difference. (laughs) Here Joseph is, he sees his brothers. He hasn't seen them for 13 years. He's overwhelmed. But you know what? He speaks to them with a translator because he puts the plan together. And they come up to them, they don't even know they're talking to Joseph, and they're saying, "Hey, we need some food." And Joseph looks at them and he goes, "Who are you guys?" And then they said, "Hey, we're honest people." And Joseph thing, "Honest people, you guys sold my butt into slavery." But he spoke to them, and they're like, and he said, "You guys are spies and no, we're not. Yes, you are." And they're tripping out because now it's this guy in charge and one be underneath the king calling them out as spies. How do I know you're not spies? You got to trust us. Well, you know what? You have another brother? Yes, yeah, Benjamin. Joseph's little brother. I'll tell you what. He needs to confirm this story. What? He put him in jail for three days. I said, Here's the deal. I'm going to keep one of you guys here. Go get your brother Benjamin and have him come talk to me. And if he tells me this story is true and it and, and aligns, then we'll talk. So now... They leave their brother there. They go back and get Benjamin. They come back. Well, Joseph finally gets overwhelmed when he sees them. And he tells them the truth. But before that, they had to admit that they were wrong. Because on the way back, they're saying, oh, no. You know what? Our sins have caught up with us. And they start talking about their brother Joseph. That they put into slavery and they start remembering all the pains, right? There's sometimes you start going your head over and remembering all the pains, all your sins, all your shortcomings, and they were there. But Joseph, who could have done some evil things to him, he had a plan for them and they came back. And then you know what? He said enough is enough. And he revealed who he was and they didn't know what to do. Point number two. First, let's review number one. God's grace is glorious. God's grace is what? Next one, God's grace is greater. Everybody say greater. greater. Everybody say greater. greater. God's grace is greater. Greater than what? Greater than anything you've got. God's grace is greater. Greater than what? He's greater than your sin. God's grace is greater. Greater than anything you can have, God's grace is better. Now, they could have chosen the grace of their brother or they could have declined it and said, you know what? We're not who we said that or that was your fault or you were a loud mouth or dad loved you more. But they said, oh, we're sorry forgive us. You know what happened? He gave them food. He blessed them. And you know what? Before we receive God's grace that's greater, we have to do something. Though We have to admit that we're wrong. Can I hear amen? We have to admit that we need the grace. So now they get Joseph's grace. The king notices what's going on. And he notices, man... People are willing to pay whatever they want for this food. You guys following me? Right? You, you, you know, um, food's expensive. Corn flakes, better yet, frosted flakes, let's, let me be honest, frosted flakes are like like $4 a box. Right? But if there was only one frosted flakes in the world, it's going to be more expensive. They didn't have food so so now people are giving gold. People are giving all these great things for the food because they need to eat. So Egypt becomes rich. The king of Egypt becomes excited and he tells Joseph, Joseph, man, you did this right. How can I take care of you? And Joseph said, take care of my family. So what the king did, he gave Joseph the choicest land. Let's go to Genesis 47, 11, a couple chapters over. Genesis 47, 11 says this. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part. We say best part. In the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses. And Pharaoh directed Joseph, also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. So this is what happens. The Pharaoh, the king, says, I want to bless you now. And he gave. Everybody say gave. And he gave this land to Joseph and his family. Point number one, God's grace is what? God's Point number two, God's grace is what? Number three, God's grace is given. Here's a beautiful thing. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Joseph gave him something free. We all need God's grace, and, 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 and in a minute, we're going to get a chance to accept God's grace in our life, and some of you guys need the big God's grace, which is, you know what? Man, I've been lying to myself. I've been saying I was a good guy, just like Joseph and his bro- Joseph's brothers came saying we're good people, and you haven't really dealt with the stuff that you've done, and you know what? You need a clean slate to say, I need forgiveness. And there's another group here that, you know what? It's, it's a hard time for yourself. You know what, you've accepted God's forgiveness, but you know what, you're not giving grace or you're not getting grace. And and, and if you don't allow that grace to happen, think of all the blessings. Think of all the miracles that happened with Joseph and his family because they were willing to accept grace and because they were willing to give grace. About 20 years ago, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I had all this free time. I had quit the business world and I, I was, I was volunteering at a school and I was really diving into the word and I started playing music and, and God was blessing it. And so I formed a band and my, the music and the band was a chance for me to share the gospel and God was blessing it and God was blessing it. But I had this really cheap guitar and I wanted a, I wanted a better guitar because we were playing bigger venues and, and more significant and, and I just wanted a better guitar. So I would go to Guitar Center, and if you ever go to Guitar Center, they've got their guitars right there, and then they got a little special room of guitars, right? And this is the room where they kind of do a background check, right, and they kind of give you strictures before because they're expensive guitars. And I would go into that room now and then, but I would never thought I could get a guitar in that room. But this one day, you know I had $200. And my dad gave me $200, too. He said, mijo, I want to help you get a guitar. So I had $400 going to Guitar Center. So that means I could get a really, really good, very bad guitar for $400. And I remember walking through, and then I said, you know what? Let me go into the room. So I went into that room. It's was like, oh, Oh, those guitars, and I'm holding one. This guy came up to me, and he said, hey, hey, uh, uh, um," and he knew me from church. I didn't know him that well. He goes, hey, do you like that guitar? I go, absolutely. He goes, well, why don't you get it? I go, because it costs $2,000. He said, well, why don't you get it? I'm like, didn't you hear me? Why don't you get it? Because I got 400 bucks. And he was like, you should get it. And I wasn't catching what he was saying. I was like, I can't get it. I got $400. This guitar is amazing. He like, is, that the, is that the best guitar you want in here? He goes, yeah, this is the one I want. I come and I hold this guitar and I hold her and I sing to her and I caress her. And then here she is. And he leaned over and he whispered in my ear. And he goes, I just inherited a lot of money. Listen to this line. He said, I will take care of the rest. God will take care of the rest, guys. You got to give what you can to the Lord. You got to admit, Lord, I need help. I got dysfunction. I need help in my family. I need salvation. Let me give you that, Lord, and he will take care of the rest. So my encouragement today as I close up with these two rhetorical questions, first question I'm going to ask you is, what blessings are you withholding from people by not showing them grace, including yourself? Some of you guys need to show yourself grace because you haven't forgiven yourself or you haven't forgiven your mother or your father or your boss or your sibling. You need to show them grace. Question number two, what blessing are you missing out on yourself by not receiving God's grace? My encouragement to you is don't leave this place if you need grace without accepting it. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, I thank you so much for the story of Joseph, Lord. I thank you this is a real story about a real family with real issues and real problems, but with a real God to solve them. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Marcus, I need grace. I need God in my life and I need forgiveness. Real simple. We're not going to make it complicated. Have your head down and your eyes closed and just pray this prayer say, dear God, Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. I want to be your child. I want your grace that's glorious. I want your grace that's greater. I want your grace that's given. I I receive your free gift of salvation and grace. Make me new. And maybe there's another set of you here that you go, you know what? I've received salvation, Marcus, but I just need grace for myself. I need grace for my mom, for my dad, for my life. And you know what? I'm withholding blessings from so many people, including myself, because I need God's grace. Just so Keep with your heads down, your eyes closed. I just ask you to say this prayer. God, fill me with your grace. I need you today. I don't want to leave this place without your grace. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up, you pray that prayer, and here's the deal. Your heart's beating fast, you're saying, should I, shouldn't I? Just ignore all that stuff and be prepared to say, God, I want the free gift that's given. Could you imagine his brother saying, no, we don't want your food and we don't want the land. Don't say that to